Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast hosted by Corey and Shauna Burris. They are a former pastor, a college teacher, and Pacific Northwest coffee lovers. Mostly, they are Jesus followers who find themselves in lots of interesting conversations with non-Christians, former Christians, wondering Christians, and young adults from all kinds of backgrounds. And we want to invite you into those conversations. The Bread and Cup podcast is a place for real talk about the Bible, life, and what it takes to move beyond the easy answers. So let's grab a cup and join the conversation. Welcome to the Bread and Cup podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Shauna. And t- uh, we are recording at night. So tonight we are eating these little chocolate covered cakes that are just delicious and, and drinking iced coffee because it is super warm here, at least for the Pacific Northwest. It's 80. So I don't know if that's super warm. I think we've lost our ability to know what's hot and what is not. That's true. Our Midwest upbringing did dictate that hot was different and usually sticky. Yeah, but it's not so. Not sticky. It's just a beautiful 80, but it does warrant iced coffee at least. That's true. That's true. Um, and this week we are kind of wrapping up our three parts on love and relationship-ish stuff. Yeah. Uh, talking about like how we view relationships specifically in the church um, and talking about a more, well, as it's not really, but a perceived risque topic of sex and yeah. how the church views sex and is that an, an accurate and, and what does it mean about with our walk with God. And you use the term and you need to explain to everybody where you get it from because you've never actually told me. Oh, that's uh, nice. The sexualization of the gospel. Yeah, sexualization of the gospel. I I don't know if Aaron Harris is the one who came up with that term. Uh, I did learn it from Aaron Harris. He is a Christian author and speaker who is a gay man. And uh, I heard him first on... Carrie Newhoff's leadership podcast. Uh, if you're interested in checking out that episode, we will have that linked in the show notes. Um, but in that, he's talking about uh, his experience as a Christian gay man. And he used this term, the sexualization of the gospel. And it it stuck with me because it gave such a concise way of explaining something that you and I had both experienced and wrestled through, um, and it, it gave it language. Yeah. I think as we go into this, I want to set up people for what we are and what we are not going to talk about. Okay. So What are we going to talk about? So we are going to talk about how the church, the, the, the view that the church has of sex um, and sexuality and all of those things. Sure. And not this is right and this is wrong. Absolutely. We are not making moral judgments. If you are listening to this to find out whether or not we think something in particular is a sin, we're not not checking boxes. Right. But we're talking about is how do we view humanity and other people in light of all of that? And, and so I just wanted to say that because I think some people are probably, you know, leaning in going, oh, they're going to, they're going to tell us what they think about this or what they think about that. And I've had very direct conversations with people where they say, hey, do you think, you know, this is a sin or that is a sin? Sex before marriage would be a big one in our world. yeah, Yeah. And like, how do you view that? And for me, it always leads to a very, very different discussion. Yeah. And that's the discussion we're going to have here. Yeah. So, uh, so I think what what we may want to do is um, sort of go 
go back and acknowledge that the idea of, um, okay, so let me define the sexualization of the gospel as I understand it. Feel free, to, That's good. feel free to go look it up from what I think is the source of that term, Aaron Harris. But the way I understand it and the way I tend to use it is that sex, meaning the act of or gender or participation in certain activities that could be under the umbrella of sex. So any one of those three things as a qualifier for gospel participation. And if you all have been listening to Bread and Cup podcast, you know um, that while we openly use the term Christian and we talk about Christianity, what we're really after is gospel participation, right? It's that closing of the proximity. And um, maybe you want to talk a little bit about sort of our We've alluded to this in the past too and to others, what it looked like for us um, growing up in the church. Well, I mean, I grew up in a very, very typical evangelical upbringing, as did you. Um, We went to a um, evangelical Pentecostal denomination. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there was a, a lot of emphasis put on sex yeah strangely so and but mainly about how it was just not an okay thing to delve into yeah and and so i i always felt very very awkward when it was brought up yeah i felt very like this is not something we should be talking about it's so far so dc talk christian band very very good Christian or, or like a very very moral like hot like yep. good all c- good Christian kids in my in my high school you know or in my youth group we yep. listened to DC talk yep. right they were the standard they were good yep. um they have a song called I don't want it yep and I remember I got the tape for that yes tape yeah. I said it we've owned how old we are yeah they know so what I, they're in for. I slide this tape in and i'm listening to it and we get to the song of i don't want it mm-hmm. i don't want it yeah and you turn it all the way to the right or the left yeah uh-huh. and then it, well no, no no not even that i'm listening to it and for the first time and then it says your sex for now <gasps> and i was like oh they talked about sex like, they, they said, they the, said word. the word and when that song would come on and I had my headphones on because, you know, we didn't have earbuds. These were over ear, yeah. like the little foamy With your things. Walkman. Yeah. yeah. I would turn it down when I was near my parents because it was not something that we talked openly mm. about. Yeah. And it became a... And I don't know if that was just me assuming things, but it, it was talked about so much in church in a negative light yeah. that I struggled to see where it should happen other than within the bounds of marriage whatever that means and when and then i remember getting into like a youth group and there were girls in there and then when you talked about sex it was about it was kind of almost like the duggars and i know we'll talk about this a little bit where like it was like oh my gosh it's gonna be so great and like it built up this thing to be this like the golden thing that you don't touch when you're not married but this moment you get married yeah you can partake in this this glorious yeah, thing it's that the closest is, thing to heaven outside of heaven right exactly yeah. and so it built up 
and put a lot of emphasis on it. Yeah. While at the same time, it truly was the apple in the tree of Adam and Eve, right? Like it sat there and it was it was gonna give us knowledge of all good things, right? And if I just partook in it. Yeah. then I would understand everything. And all yeah. these things would make sense. Yeah. I don't, so much so, I remember in high school, there were sexually active kids in my high school. And I remember sure. thinking, how can you not be thinking about this all the time once you've had it, right? Because that was yeah. my perception of what it was. Yeah. Um, so that was my my upbringing yeah. uh, of what it is as a, as a teenage boy, you know, who yeah. had a lot of emo- hormones running through me and a lot of other things. But But it was... Never talked about, but when it was talked about, it was that's the thing you don't do. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing you don't. Okay, do. so our upbringing is somewhat different because you were raised in a nuclear family, right? Um, both parents Christians, both from Christian upbringings, uh, and that was not my experience. My experience was um, Christian mom, secular dad. Um, Danish dad, right? So Denmark has a has a slightly different perspective on sex in general and where sex lands um, compared to the U.S. Uh, they tend to be considered a little more progressive, a little ahead of the curve on, especially in the nineties. Especially in the nineties, when we're yeah. going through this. So while your experience was that wasn't talked about at all at home, and you would have to turn that word down. My experience was actually, my parents were both pretty forthright about it. My dad especially was like, this is something you're going to do, and this is how you do it safely. And because I was a Christian kid growing up more in church than outside of church, um, even though I split my time, by the time I was a teenager, I split my time or junior high between my parents a bit, um, I would say to him, no, dad, that's not something I'm going to do. He's like, that's so that's so nice for you to say when you're in middle school. Hmm. But but as you get older, this is this is just going to be something you're going to do. So I had I had this kind of unique other perspective and and often he would say to me, "Man, for being something you're not supposed to do, the church sure puts a lot of emphasis on sex." And at the time that didn't make sense to me. Looking back at it as an adult, I'm like you know what? That was a really astute observation. Yeah. That that in in his world, it was something every everyone did and participated in, and certainly was not. There's no expectation that it quote unquote stays within the bounds of marriage, right? It was: is it safe? Do you feel? Are, do, are you consenting? Do you feel safe? And that was all the marker that he taught me to need. Um, where in the church, it was. You shared what it's like for boys. For girls, not only was it you don't get to do this, but that girls are damaged goods if you do. Hmm. To the point where I knew people who had not elected to participate and were were forced to, right? They were abused. And they the language still made them feel like they were somehow excluded from perfect right standing with God. Hmm. That it was like, well, God will forgive you if you're not a virgin. But like your marriage is always going to be a little jinkier than if you were. Right. And so there was this 
this emphasis and for, for girls, in fact, our teenage daughter has talked about, have you heard Anna talk about this? I try not to. So. Oh, they, like <laughs> <laughs> what her perspective is. And of course she's raised in our home, has these conversations with us. So we've tainted her good and hard, but she gets frustrated that at church camp, the girls aren't allowed to wear bikinis, but the boys are allowed to wear swim trunks with no shirts. She says, if the girls have to wear shirts, the boys should have to wear shirts. And I, I don't disagree with her because the, there's this weight on the women of, well, boys are really into boobies. And so it's your job to make sure they stay as covered as possible. And it makes, it brings sex into something where it doesn't actually belong there. Our, our identity, our body image, our um, self-value uh, really shouldn't be because of whether or not we are causing boys to stumble. I mean, it's frankly, it's hard enough to be a teenage girl. Right. And, um, you know, of course in the church, and I will acknowledge, not acknowledge here that there are likely people listening to this podcast who do not identify with the binary language of male, female. Um, but we're using the language that we were raised with to talk about this. Well, I, I don't want to get into that, but I, I do want to speak. I to just want to acknowledge our listeners. Yeah, yeah, no, but but I do want to say to to. Well, I want to get into that a little, maybe a little bit down the road, but I want to speak to the other side of what you're saying, where yeah. um, girls have to cover up because us guys are so animalistic in our mm. view. Yeah. That we, you can't, you shouldn't tempt us, right? right. And I, you I can't listen, control yourself. I was a hormonal teenager, yeah, and I understand what the the purpose behind some of those things are. But what we're not doing is we're not teaching men to understand and and respect other people. Yeah. And that I think is ultimately the problem. Yeah. Right? Is that this is not a discussion about an act. This is a discussion about our view of that thing yep. and that event with other people. Yep. And I would argue that it comes back to like identity and mm -hmm. understanding who you are and so much of what the church does. I would argue so much of what our culture does. And I think the church should be somewhat counterculture. Yeah. But but we still emphasize it so much. Well, yeah. we have so many discussions about sex and identification within sex and all yeah. of these things, both in the church and outside of the church that we have given it such a huge weight in all of our lives. Yeah. And, 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 and almost as if we have no control over anything in our lives when it comes to that thing. Right. Yeah. Like we have, we're, we're just, it is what it, you know, it's just gonna, you know, even to the extent where your dad would say, well, you know, you're going to do it because this is what you, you know, like we're driven so yeah. hard by this that there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And I think that it takes power away from people in yeah. many ways. And the church has done that 
and I, I'm not just trying to dog on the church, but like the church has done that to some extent where they have said, this thing is the gold. Counts golden... more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so many people are hurt by that. Yeah. And that's exactly, I think, the point of what sexualization of the gospel means is it's saying that more than image bearing status, more than gifts, more than talents, more than even character or actions, this sex and gender, it counts the most. And what happens is that we disqualify people because of this, which is just unbiblical. Yeah. It's unbiblical. And, you know, we see this, of course. But we don't equally discount people based off of it, right? Like, I know of mm. a lot of men in ministry that deal with things around sure. sex. Yeah. And they're struggling through it, which I totally understand. I'm sure, not. We're I'm all not, struggling through life. Yeah. yeah. But it's okay. But if if you make this other mistake over here or you do this other thing over yeah. here that 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 is different, then you are discounted from your opportunity yeah. to participate in what's happening because you are too far gone, so to yeah. speak. That is a problem. Like that is a, yeah. it, you know. Um, or how about just because you're born a girl? Well, yeah. Right? Like it. it isn't even about behavior like it could just literally be the plumbing you came with and that there there has been a tradition of um in in tears and in multiple ways right if if a woman um is pregnant outside of marriage she is shunned she is sent away she is kicked out um where far too often the other participant in that, nothing happens. Or what happens is they get reconciliation very quickly. And yeah. Because we don't want to... It doesn't take nine months because <sighs> it isn't obvious. Right. They get to say, so sorry, and then all's forgiven, where for the woman, that's, you know, it's the whole concept of the scarlet letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne, right? That that we we wear... That the nature of being a woman means that that we wear the obvious evidence of things, um, but it also it also comes out in smaller ways. Even if it isn't something that the church would eat, gasp, sin, right? It it comes out simply in well, if you're a woman, then you're discounted from certain types of leadership or certain types of opportunity. Um, and once again, need to acknowledge that different church. Um, denominations and traditions. Um, there are some that have very strong feelings that the Bible backs up the idea that women cannot be pastors or teachers or leaders. Um, we'll talk about that. Sometime. Sorry, guys, we straight <laughs> up disagree with you on that. Um, and I, I guess we are going to say whether or not we think things are right or wrong. We we straight up disagree on that. Although if well, you no- listen to this, you probably are going to know that I'm not the kind of girl who would Right. Be down with it. And just, oh, just real quick, let me point them to if you need a resource for that, strongly encourage you to read Blue Parakeet by Scott McKnight. Yeah. Okay. But, and I, I want to even jump into not that specifically, but to say that this doesn't mean that, that 
sex is not important or yeah. that there are no there should be no boundaries around that. I don't oh, think that, I just want to clarify that that is not at all what we're no. saying. What we're saying cuz I think we're like kind of dogging on the church a little bit too much yeah. and I actually don't think the church is 100% wrong. No, I, I think just it's think the that, church within the culture we're in. Right. And yeah. I think what it is is we're we're stop we're not stepping back and going, okay, why is this why is it more appropriate in this way? Why is it appropriate Right. When conducted in this certain way, yeah. and I will direct people to um, uh, a, a podcast, um, the uh, strange, like, exploring my strange Bible yep. with um, Dr. Tim Dr. Mackey. Dr. Tim Mackey, and he has an episode on on sex. We will and link it in the show. Notes. It is awesome, yeah, because it helps people understand perspective of why that topic is such a yeah. divisive topic in a yeah. lot of ways, but also why um, why there are boundaries around it. Yeah. Because, and it has nothing to do with actions and it has to do with pers- how, we, how we use those actions truly to dehumanize yeah. the person on the other side. Yep. And um, even dehumanize ourselves. And I yeah. think that that's what the church does to, in many ways, is we dehumanize people and we're either guys that are just animals, mm. girls that are just objects, mm. or or we're, we're identified by the things that we do. Yeah. And, and that is just not the way God views his creation. No. That's, yeah, that's great. And it it actually links back to what we talked about in the very first episode of this three-part, um, where we talk about the idea of eros love, right? Do you remember that it was, um, it was a possessive kind of right. love? It was this, um, like, needing, wanting, like, ooh, shiny object I must have. Right. And that, you know, that we, for whatever reason, our culture has integrated that concept in into how we think and act and that includes how we think and act within the western church right that um that there is an objectification within the concept of love mm. and i mean how many young couples did we have we known i mean i would say certainly within college but even since then where you know they're getting married young cuz it's what you do and you ask them like, well, why, why are you wanting to get married right now? And the first thing that they say is a sort of giggling, like, well, we just can't wait to have sex. Like, oh man, one, totally get that, right? We were also young and engaged and looking forward to that part of being married. But a little further down the road, there's been more than a few times where I've said to someone who's had that response, wow, sex isn't so great that it's worth ruining your marriage over. Yeah. Like, it just isn't. And, like, it should be one part of building your life together. But it should not be the reason that you're getting married. And if you And if it is, what you're going to find very quickly is that that foundation crumbles very fast. Yeah. And that is, and that is true of sexual identity that's true yeah. of all those types of things it's like that crumbles over time that changes over time yeah. that 
that is that is not going to stick right in terms of that's the strength of that relationship right exactly and so i think that is one of the things that i think our um sort of evangelical upbringing really taught me was that there was this massive premium on being virginal and on what sex was meant to do within marriage and far too often it pushed people who were simply lusty into making a lifelong partnership commitment that, um, and we didn't prepare people for what a lifetime partnership commitment is meant right. to be. And so then they bring those things with them into the marriage. It's, it's back to that you complete me thing, right? Mm. That being with you. You love Jerry Maguire. So. I, well, show me the money. <laughs> but, right? Right. That, that the, the idea shouldn't be that this thing is so amazing that all of the decisions should be made around it. And when, when you take that view, it doesn't matter if you're using that in an ugly way. Um, like the, I am only valuable. I am only attractive. I am only worthwhile if I'm sleeping with a lot of people. Or if you take the Duggar view, which is your only worth and value is in preserving virginity and then I don't like, I mean, every, everything that I see that family do revolves around sex. Everything, the way you dress, the way they teach their children, who gets to babysit who, who does the laundry, who builds the house, literally every decision made is centered on sex. And this goes back to the sexualization of the gospel. The idea is that now the gospel is purely there to prevent or get you to do something and have it around sex. And we've given it, it become, it has become our golden calf, right? Yeah. It's become the thing that we want that we can't touch yeah. when we're younger. And then when you, when you can, it becomes the thing that you are and yep. defines who you are, who you love, who you, who you care for from that point forward. Yep. And, and I would argue we've done that in society as well as in the church, but, but the church, instead of, standing against that idea and saying that is not who you are this is who god is and this is how god has made you yeah and this is how god sees you and this is the value you bring we said yeah the the society is right that defines you yep and but it needs to be over there yeah right put it up on its pedestal and you can you can touch the golden calf later and when you can then you can just you know have it with you at all times. Yeah. And that is... <sighs> the problem is, right, is that that's what leads to um, to the abuse of other people in it, right? Right. Because you've said that it is... When you claim that you have a right to mm. this, you then begin to have a foundation for asserting that right, whether that be in a marriage, right? There you it is you should still have consent within a marital structure. Right. But if you begin to say I have a right to this because we are married, you have now objectified that other person to meet your own need opposed to participating together in something. And community matters. And 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 on the converse side, 
Because um, like I think you would tend to say that women, men would be the ones that like I deserve this, so I'm going to take this. Not not always true. Yeah, that's but, uh, but an the, old, that's like an old school. But on the other side, right. there is also I'm going to withhold this to as manipulate is a power yeah. play as well because I don't have power anywhere else. So I'm going to take this from you that you're yeah. going to sleep on the couch, right? Like yeah. that's what that idea is behind. Sometimes it's yeah. like I don't want to be near you, but yeah, but but I mean sometimes. You know, if you smell, it's cool. Like you guys do what you need to do in your own marriages, but right. But but a lot of times it is you like no no no, I I can control yeah. you through that yeah. because again we have given it such control over yep. all elements. Of it our has life. become, and and then that swings all the way back to the idea of the sexualization of the gospel. Right, that it has become. Um, it has become a, a weapon and a tool, and it is not meant to be, at least from the biblical view, right? Right. It is not meant to be a weapon or a tool. It is meant to be a gift that is mutually agreed on. Hmm. And anything that's outside of a gift that is meant to, that is mutually agreed on is a misuse of it, hmm. including disqualifying people, including using it as a way to um, control or manipulate and certainly without question, um, seeking after your own satisfaction by by impressing it on someone else, whether that's through manipulation or straight up through abuse. Any Anything where you're using right. it for your own selfish gain, I would argue is... Um, is it is a grossly improper use of what it was intended to be, and that can happen in lots of different ways. And humans are, you know, we're we wouldn't need Jesus if we were good at being humans. The Old Testament would not be the horror story it is sometimes if humans were good at being human. We're not always good at it, um, and so this isn't meant to bring shame. It's meant to bring clarity. Like, listen, if this is. If you view sex as something that qualifies you or disqualifies you, if you view it as something that makes you valuable or invaluable, if, you, if you've been told by the church that who you are in this area means that God cannot or will not love you or that you can never rise to the top of your calling, that's wrong. It's yeah. just wrong. Or if you underestimate it, to the point of it's just a thing and you devalue the person on the other side, yep. I think you run into the same risk, yep, right? Absolutely. You talk about the way that men objectify women. It's all about that action and not about the person that, that or the way that they're viewing, again, God's creation in front yep. of them. Um, and that is a huge issue with men of that deal with pornography and other things like that is that they constantly go, this is my battle. And yeah. this is, this is, you know, just something I'm just fulfilling a need. And it's like, no, 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 you, you are devaluing the thing on the, the person on the other side of that, yeah. that thing. And you are, you are literally using them for your own good or for your own satisfaction. Desire. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and so that links to, and, and this is, you know, I don't know, we're all over dangerous territory tonight, so we're just <laughs> going to keep going. Um, but to the idea of what is sexual purity, because the Bible 
does talk yeah. very plainly about um, the problems of sexual immorality and calls us to be pure. But then, you know, in the midst of that, even within um, the letters, Paul says, you know, husbands and wives should even abstain from this by mutual consent, right? So, well, what in the heck does it mean to be sexually pure? Hmm. I would argue that one, again, when when we say, well, anything within the context of marriage is fine, right? Then we're still not adhering to a gospel view of pure, of sexual purity. Hmm. Sexual purity, from my perspective, and I'm still learning this, so I welcome feedback, but from my perspective is holding it in the regard it was intended and ensuring that that's not one of that's not the lens I use for valuing other humans. Hmm. And that that in the context of that the idea that sexual purity remains within the context of marriage and not just in the don't wander outside your own bedroom, but even between the two people who are married, is that we maintain that as for mutual gift that's mutually agreed on and that we understand that this there's another person on the other side of this and what are the other ways that I'm affirming that person and seeing that person and investing in that person's yeah. gifts and calling and that that is one piece of many many pieces and that that to use it in any other context inside or outside of marriage I mean, certainly once you wander outside of your spouse or if you begin to use photos or those things is that you're creating something else that's meant to satisfy you in a way that, hmm. that it was never intended. Yeah. And we can, we can fall down in lots of ways, right? It, it isn't just about sex. It is also about, do I use media to self-satisfy? Do I use shopping to self-satisfy? Do I use alcohol to self-satisfy? Any of those things right. are a problem. But interestingly, sex seems to be a particular problem yeah. in that way, that we use it to self-satisfy. Um, and that's just... Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting because like a lot of what... Um, we forget to do is to look at the purpose of marriage and the purpose yeah. of sex within that. Yeah. And, and this, that kind of, it's for making babies, right? And only making babies. <laughs> well, that's the far end, right? <laughs> like it's the far end thought. Okay. But, but there is an element of, because we always talk about, you know, we talk with our kids, sex within marriage, like yep. is, is a good, it is what the Bible talks about. The Bible yep. does affirm that concept. It's also the lowest risk application. Right. And that's how we explain it to them. Yeah. And that was what I was going to say. It's like, we oh, got sorry. to a point. No, that's okay. Like, we got to a point where we had to we had to actually remove the biblical understanding because it became then a list of rules. Okay, well, what yep. rules do I live by to make sure that I do the right thing? Yeah. And it started going, whoa, whoa, whoa. The rules are there because they help you live a better life and they also help you help 
your kids and your spouse and the other people around you live a better life. That's yeah. what the rules are there for. They're not there so that you can obey them and and be in good standing. Yeah. And so the same thing is true when we talk about sex inside and outside of marriages. And this is why when you if you made a mistake and you and, and or you went out and you you partook in this already, right? And you're you're going to get married. That's okay because the rules the rules are there to help you create new rules. Start the yeah. new thing over. Because the the fact of the matter is we talk about this a lot in my organization is that that sex within marriage is ideal because it helps with children having a a mother and a father having two parents there yeah. to help them through this process it actually has this huge outcome in their in, in the opportunities yep. that they will have statistically for them. they are healthier statistically right. they have better rates of education and academic success statistically they are mentally healthier right statistically lower rates of addiction right yeah and why is that true well I would argue that that's parents, well. Yeah. I would argue that that's why the Bible talks about those things, yeah. right? Like, because the Bible is interested in your and and the and, and the the rules and mandates around the Bible are actually interested in your best interest, yeah. Not in fixing a problem that you are. If that yeah. makes sense, yeah. Well, it's the it's the all the way back to Genesis, the language of flourishing, right? It's right. about it's about growth and development and beauty that the garden language, right? It, it's summer right now. So it's lush and green and flowers and it's, it's beautiful. That's the point of it. And hot. And, and Sorry. Well, at least Pacific Northwest hot, right? 80 degrees and not sticky. It's, we live in such a great place. Um, but that is the language we try to use with our children. It is the language we try to use with any um, young couples that are hanging out with us before they're getting married or in their first year or two of marriage that, that we lose something of the gospel when we begin and end our discussion of the gospel based on sex. Yeah. We just, we just lose. We lose the beauty of God created male and female in his image. God created them and called them very good. That God decided to build the model of family and community and mutual participation and when we persist in saying that the gospel is more for some than others, or that you lose out on the gospel when you take, when, when especially in sex, right? Like, well, you, you lied or you stole, eh, mistakes happen. Oh, you slept around, eh, that's a big problem. No, 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 listen, humans aren't great at being human. We do things that cost us more than we wanted to pay when we made the choice. The idea is that the closer we get towards Jesus, the more we get to live out fully human lives, which means the more that we see other humans as fully image-bearing humans, not meant to benefit us directly, but meant for us to participate in making things great. Yeah. I will say that the... The act of stealing something, the consequences for sex can be much greater, right? Which is sure. maybe why the church puts a huge emphasis on it. Yeah. But like you're saying. Well, it is unique, right? In yeah. that it's both 
personally really invasive yeah um and has the potential to be painful and it i mean it, it there's right. emotional ramifications there's emotional there's ramific- and it makes another yeah. human so it is it is unique it's it, we i should have said that much earlier it is it is unique but it does not uniquely qualify you or disqualify yeah. you sex is unique but it does not uniquely disqualify you or qualify you and we need to to kind of as we wrap this up is like we need to realize that we cannot give it so much of that weight. Yeah. And I think that's what we've done. Yeah. Both both outside of the church, but also mostly in the church. We've given it so much weight into to, like you said, qualifying or disqualifying or or validating or invalidating yeah. your role, who you are, what you are, and what you can do. And yeah. it really should not or have been. Or how much God that. loves you. Yeah. 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 It, and that that was not its intent. So check out those couple podcasts we suggested. Please read Blue Parakeet by um, Scott McKnight. I love it. There's also other awesome resources. I'm so glad that you decided yeah. to have this conversation with us today. Um, if you want to send angry emails, you can do that. Um, to Shauna? <laughs> <laughs> no, not, don't send it to my personal email. Um, but you can find us on all social platforms at Bread and Cup Podcast. We tend to be mostly on Instagram. So if you want to send us angry messages, DS, D, send us a DM at Bread and Cup Podcast on Instagram. Uh, if you want to join this conversation or share your experience um, with any of this, we would love to hear it. You guys really matter to us and, and your experiences help us all grow. To join the conversation, like and subscribe, then find us on Instagram at Bread and Cup Podcast. You can also find us at our website and other social platforms linked in the show notes.